kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Well, thank you very much for reading to us, Edward. Um, this is my chance to pass on my greetings from the front as well. It's good to see you all. I wonder if you could, I think you've been fairly sort of sedentary in the church building. I guess people might have been standing up at home. Why don't you stand up and turn around, turn fairly quickly around, just so you can see who's here and pass a smile onto each other. Then we better do an audio greeting to the people that can't see you who are watching on screen. Um, when you're back seated again, We ought to just say a, a, a cheery hi, make a noise of greeting of some form to those that are watching on screen, if you could. Hi, everybody on screen. Welcome. Um, it just reminds me to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the people that have done all the work getting us ready to do the live streaming, because I'm aware it's a lot of work. I think people were here until 10.30 on Friday night getting things uh, sorted out, and we could have done more at home as well. So a lot of work by lots of different people, uh, for which I'm very grateful. Particularly, let me highlight Simon Conway-Smith for all the work that he's done on this. But um, even to the length of doing 
101 new risk assessments for the different activities that are starting up this week. So we work out uh, how to prevent the uh, dangers or minimize the dangers as best we can. Anyway, thank you. Um, now, a number of us have been enjoying reading a chapter a day of Matthew in the last uh, month, and I wanted to keep that experience going on a little longer. So what we've decided to do during the 1030 services is to look at parables that Jesus told in Matthew's gospel, stories that he told, which you only find in Matthew. Because I discovered that actually there are quite a few stories that Jesus told in, in Matthew that uh, we don't have recorded by the other people that wrote about his life and his teaching. And, uh, oh, you might be wondering, younger people might wonder, what is a parable? Well, there was a time when somebody was doing a, a school test and they answered, a, a, they were asked a question in the school test, what is a parable? They wrote down an answer like this, a parable is a heavenly story with no earthly meaning. Those mistakes happen in tests, I think. I think they meant that it was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. What did Jesus mean by telling that funny story about the wheat and the weeds? If you're wondering, when you're, well, you're in good company, because remember, the, the disciples didn't really understand it. They asked Jesus, so we're going to begin now by praying, by asking Jesus to help us. So let's be quiet for a moment and pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love to explain about how we can live with you as our king. Please help us this morning to know what you want us to know and then to live the way you say. We ask it in your name. Amen. understand our parable. Well, first of all, I want to introduce everybody to a friend of mine. Okay. Is that the right place, Simon? Is that on camera nicely? Let me tell you about this friend of mine. Now, at first sight, you might think that this is somebody who is happy. Uh, maybe it's somebody who's just been promised an ice cream. But let me look again. And they've got a frown on their face, a couple of tears. They've just been told they can't have the ice cream until they've finished all their broccoli. Or maybe the situation's slightly different. This person isn't happy because they've just worked out it's still 340 days till their birthday. But then they think again, and they realize that it's only three and a bit months to Christmas. Really exciting. Happy. So we got a, what have we got here? Happy. Now, why am I introducing you to this? Sad, happy friends to start with. Well, because it's a little picture of everyone who is a true follower of Jesus. Some things about being in his kingdom are great. 
I mean, how wonderful to know that our sins are forgiven because Jesus has died on the cross. How fantastic to know that God isn't ever going to love me less than that. He knows the very worst about me already. Jesus died for my sins, and he still loves me. He won't ever love me more than he does either. Sometimes I think, well, maybe if I try really hard, he'll love me a bit more. No, how could he love me more than he did when he died for me at the cross? If I trust in Jesus, he loves me today, tomorrow, forever. So that's great. It's great, too, that he has a plan for my life. Whatever happens, even when it's bad things, it's not an accident. Jesus is in charge. Uh, we know that because he showed he was in charge when he came back from the dead. Great. But we're not in heaven yet, are we? There are lots of bad things that happen in our world. And bad things happen to Jesus' followers as well. Um, family life can be hard. Cancer or coronavirus happens. And it might well happen to Christians as well as to atheists. We can't always win the battle against our own sin and our various weaknesses. So there's bad news as well. Now, the parable we're looking at today exemplifies our sad, happy existence in the world today. Let me remind you of the story. I think we've got one or two pictures that Simon will put up as we go along. And I can see that he's got the right ones because I've actually got a little screen down here. Let's have the first one. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his fields. Next picture, please. But while everyone was sleeping, I think this is slightly dark in the picture, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, I think we can have the next picture now, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And you can see in that picture that, uh, hang on a moment, let's, let's wait for a moment, let's go back to that one, that's great, that the wheat and the weeds together in this field, these are taken, I think, by farmers in Nazareth, I understood these pictures were, but they look pretty much the same to begin with. Uh, people reckon that this is a weed called bearded darnel, um, lolium temulentum, for those who watch Gardener's World. And it's closely related to wheat, and it's hard to tell apart when both plants are young. But let's have the next one now. Just look at wheat and weeds a few months on, and you can tell them apart. I wonder if you can work out which is which there. Let's have the next picture, where one's magnified and one's a bit fuzzy. And the next one. Okay, I'll tell you to put you your misery. Did you work it out? The one that's in focus there is the wheat. Um, as it happens, as they grow up, the grains in the wheat are a bit heavier, so the stalks droop down a bit, and the darnel stands taller, and it's a bit wispier. So at harvest, you can tell them apart. I think the wheat goes a bit golden, the darnel goes a bit sort of blackish. You can tell them apart at harvest, but not before. And that's why 
when the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? The farmer answered, no, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. That was bound to happen. The roots would get all tangled up together. So the best plan was to let both grow together until the harvest, he said. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. There we go. Nice bonfire. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Last two pictures for the moment, I think. There we go. Thank you very much, Simon. You can go back to a picture of the preacher now. Not quite as interesting as those pictures we've had before. Well, the disciples go up to Jesus for an explanation, and they get the explanation, if you're following in the Bibles, in verses 37 to 43. I want to summarize the teaching in um, two simple headings about Jesus explained that the kingdom of heaven has come into the world because the king of heaven has come into the world. So something huge has happened. Jesus has come, and it's great. He has people becoming his friends and joining the kingdom. But there won't immediately be an end to all that opposes the kingdom. Evil is still a reality. And God is waiting. God waits. Jesus says in his explanation, behind the evil stands the prince of evil, the devil. And verse 39 names him unashamedly. The enemy who sows the weeds is the devil, said Jesus. He believed in the devil, and we should as well. So still after 2,000 years since Jesus came, evil is very much with us in our world, and God doesn't sort everything out right away. He doesn't get rid of the devil straight away. He waits. I was thinking, you can see the the devil's brutality behind lots of bad things happening in the world today. You might mention the activity of terrorists or violence on our streets. But there's evil in the church as well. Jesus said that wheat and weeds grow together in the world And I suppose that can be particularly confusing within the church, where sometimes things happen which almost look like the kingdom of heaven, but in fact they might not be if Jesus the king has been forgotten. Evil in our world, evil sometimes within the church, it seems, and certainly evil present in our individual lives as well, even after we begin to follow Jesus. No wonder Jesus taught us to pray every day, deliver us from evil. Now, I know the view of the world, which we breathe in in the air all around us, uh, probably without noticing, is this idea of human progress. Everything's getting better all the time. Well, Jesus is much more realistic, isn't he? He says wheat and weeds together in this age. There's both good and evil. So what's going on? Answer, God waits. He doesn't try to pull up the weeds yet, as it were. God waits. He won't sort out all that's wrong with the world straight away. 
If he did, where would he stop? It's actually a good thing that God waits. If he decided to sort out the anger of the terrorist or the bomber, where does he stop then? What about the anger that's in my heart? He'd have to deal with that now as well. So I'm glad that God waits because Jesus wants us to be forgiven and to become his friends. And anyway, there's a second thing here. And God wins. Let me read from the second half of verse 39, if you're following in Bibles. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they'll weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, it's very black and white in the way Jesus talks there. Two types of people in the world, the uh, children of the kingdom, those who belong to Jesus Christ the king, and the children of the devil, the people of the devil, who, whether they know it or not, are under the power and influence of Satan. Only those two types of people, according to Jesus, and it's slightly scary. I think we are one or the other. Perhaps both types of people are here today, and I certainly can't tell exactly who's who, but there'll be a separation, Jesus says. He can sort us out perfectly, and one day he will. All that messes up our world will be finished for good. God wins. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, says Jesus. Obviously, there's great comfort and encouragement here. Sometimes it's really hard to be living in a mixed and muddled world with evil all around us. But this says that Jesus Christ can hold on to us, and he won't let a single friend of his miss out on the safety of that barn. He'll never, never, never let the righteous fall as we were thinking earlier. So there's comfort. He'll get us safely home to heaven. But oh yes, there's warning as well. Evil is going to be well and truly defeated and dealt with. And remember, it's Jesus Christ teaching. He was the one that talked about the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And of course, he would go on to die on the cross so that we don't have to face that terrible fate if we're trusting him. The king has come, but we don't yet have the fullness of the kingdom. Evil is still real and right here with us. Things sometimes seem to be going on just as before, but we can be sure, absolutely sure, that God wins in the end. So I hope you see why I introduced you to our sad, happy friend at the beginning. Do I have to turn him over? I'm going to put it here.
Sorry, it's very difficult to interpret with, with Mars. I don't quite hear what you were saying. Um, anyway, because that is what life is like for us in the world today. Um, if I can say a few words deliberately aimed for the grown-ups, Christ may have taken the penalty of our sin when he died for us, but he hasn't yet eliminated all the consequences of sin. It means we can be forgiven, but sin leaves lots of scars in our lives and other people's lives. All sorts of things muck up life at the moment. Uh, many of us will have habits of sin in our lives that will torment us till our dying day, if we're honest. Um, for others, it could be a battle with ill health that dogs us. And of course, there's the pain of death, our death, others' deaths. There might be any number of forms of grief associated with living in a fallen world. Uh, grief in our relationships, grief at our sin and others' sins. Whatever it might be, God doesn't get rid of evil or all the results of sin yet. It will happen, but only when Christ returns. So the tears are part of the reality of life for us. And God allows grief into our lives to point us on to the better future we will have if we're his friends. And our hopes for that future day aren't misplaced because of Jesus, because he's come into our world. He's dealt with sin, and he will deal with all its consequences. So where does it leave us? Well, I need to finish up. In the meantime, please, let's keep trusting Jesus and keep thinking over what it means to be both sad and happy and keep obeying that final command of Jesus to all of us in verse 43, where he said, whoever has ears, let them hear, listen carefully to the promise of Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus, the great teacher, and we pray that his teaching would keep us going as followers of his for the next week and way beyond, all, all the way till when he comes back again. We, keep, we pray you'd keep us trusting him as our friend and our savior and our Lord. Whatever we face in life today and tomorrow, we ask it, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen.